to one, the first stop you should make for your motorsport fix. I'm Sid, and today I'm joined with our motorsport content creators, Lauren and Harvey. And we also have a very special guest. We're joined with Greg. Greg, will you explain to us firstly what, what your job actually is? I don't, I don't want to butcher it. Oh, what, what is my job? Um, I usually describe it as one of three things. So obviously it's in motorsport. You know, that makes sense. Um, and it's either stopping people doing things that they don't want to do anymore, um, starting doing things that they're not doing, yeah. or taking things that they're already doing and help them to do them better. Mm -hmm. That's, 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 a, that's primarily what I do. Um, <laughs> with, And it doesn't matter who it's with. It can be with anybody, uh, as mm -hmm. long as it's motorsport, um, you know. It's the same thing. So it's 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 a mixture of on track and off track. Yeah. And it's helping them. Um, if, if we think of ourselves as a, a top down system, so everything starts upstairs and, um, you know, trickles down. That's what I do. I help them with their upstairs. So people that I've listened to our other podcasts, as you probably should have all listened to our other episodes, we we had Michael Italiano come on and he's obviously a performance coach and he did touch on the mental impact of motorsport bit saying that he did does do a few bits with Daniel it kind of trickles into his role and we wanted to explore this more because it's such a big topic and so so important especially mental health at the minute it's definitely a topic that is spoken about a lot and needs to be spoken about deserves deserves the time and so obviously we wanted to sit down with Greg who is a motorsport mind coach to talk all about the mental impact of motorsport. But firstly, we want to touch upon your career, your early life. So, dream job as a kid. What did you um, <laughs> I'll show my age now when I say that. <laughs> um, so when I, when I was a kid, I, I only ever wanted to do two things. And and, and one was be evil Knievel. Um, okay. <laughs> no evil Knievel. <laughs> uh, and the second one was to be the $6 million man. Uh, Steve Austin. So that, that that that's all I wanted to do as a kid. Um, so how, how's that working out for me? Um, <laughs> um, but no, I I didn't. You know, I never thought I'd be doing this. Um, mm -hmm. You know, motorsport. Yeah, I mean, if, if jumping off uh, ramps on motorcycles over buses is classed as motorsport, then I suppose there was a link. Um, but yeah, as a kid, that that was pretty much where I was at as a kid. Adrenaline junkie then. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, you could say that. Yeah, yeah. So I Too guess, much um, energy. So I guess, um, how did you go from an adrenaline junkie to um, pursuing psychology as an interest? Uh, that's a very long and circuitous route. Um, <laughs> so essentially, um, it's funny because my wife uh, was talking to me about this last night. I think it really started, and it's kind of strange, um, with hypnosis. Mm -hmm. So uh, back in 1993, uh, the great Paul McKenna uh, had his first show on, I think it was ITV, it was on. And I saw this and I thought, huh, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. I want to do that. That's amazing. Yeah. So uh, I went off and trained as a hypnotherapist. Um, but I was 21. Mm -hmm. And... It's interesting because on another podcast, I think it was last year, was discussing this. Um, in fact, I mistakenly now look back and know I was wrong. Mm -hmm. uh, but when I was 21, I thought, I can't do this at 21. What do I know? I, 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 I don't have the experience to do this. And, and even though I'd done all my training and all that, I just I can't do this. I, I, I know. 
you know, so call it a crisis of confidence or whatever you will. Um, and I didn't do that. I went off and became an audiologist instead and okay. looked in people's ears for a living. Um, and then in 2000, I think it was about 2004, I had a friend that worked for McLaren, a neuroscientist friend worked for McLaren. And he was working on a project with another chap. And it was kind of a side project that they had going on. Uh, the other chap was a motorsport mind coach. And they were working on this kind of um, self-development program. They knew that one of my hobbies was writing music. Okay. Uh, and I used to oh. keep my hand in writing music for TV and adverts and stuff like that. I'd done it when I was younger and stuff. And they asked me if I could do some music for them for their project. And then uh, my friend dropped out of the project and the mind coach I was working with said, well, hang on, didn't you train as a hypnotherapist? And I said, yeah, I did. He said, well, you come, you come and help me with this then. So I ended up working together with him. And then after, I think I'd been doing audiology for like 13, 14 years. And he said, well, why don't you just come and do this? You could do this, what I'm doing. And I thought, you know what? You're right. I could do this. Yeah. Um, here we are. Here we are now. Brilliant. I went back. I, I, I redid all my hypnosis, redid all my NLP, did all that. And um, yeah, here we are, motorsport. So I guess you started doing something, had a bit of an interest in it, but then kind of were like, nope, not for me. You went into the audiology kind of stuff and then you were brought straight back into it. So I, I guess it's meant to be, I guess you can say that, hey? <laughs> oh, it was written in the stars, you know. Yeah, oh. <laughs> You know, um, no, and, and, and here I am now. And um, I love it, I have to say. Absolutely love it. I, I, I don't have a job. I, I am one of those ridiculous people who doesn't view as what they do is working. I, oh, I love, love I know I love that. I really, really love that when people yeah. can finally get to that point where they're just like, yeah, this isn't a job anymore. It's something that you've been so passionate about for so long and you can go, mm -hmm. well, actually, it's something that I enjoy so much. It doesn't feel like work. I happily do it all day, every day. Seven Amazing. days a week. I love it. Absolutely love it. So why would you think that looking after your mental health then is so important, speaking on, you know, the hypnotherapy and stuff like that? What makes you think that, that mental health is so important, that root of things? Um, I think that it's, I, I always call us affectionately, I always refer to us as salty bags of meat. You know, that, that's what we're, we're all salty bags of meat and, and, and we all run on programs and none of us really know why we do what we do. And so many things affect us that we're just not aware of. Yeah. And, and when we look at motorsport, there's so many pressures. Um, you know, I think from my point of view, working with people, 75% of what we focus on has got nothing to do with what's happening on track. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, because drivers and riders know how to do what they do. They spend hours and hours in sims testing on track. They know how to do that. It's the other stuff that comes up that gets in the way of that. And, you know, if, if you're in a, a, one of the higher series and there's millions of pounds being spent on you, there's a lot of responsibility when it comes to that sharp end of the wedge and you've got 300 people in the factory, you've got all those millions of pounds, and now, oh, by the way, it's up to you now. What? You know, that's a lot of pressure. And... Pressure in any form, whether you're a racing driver or not, you know, you need to have the resilience, you need to have the tools, how to cope, you need to be aware of what's affecting you, 
on what's not affecting you. And you have to have that ability to stand back and to be able to do things for yourself that keep you happy yeah. uh, and sane, you know, uh, uh, just being able to be happy and, uh, and enjoy what you're doing. As we said, you know, um, it's really, really important. And, and I think it's something that should get a bit more attention. But then I would say that. So. Yeah, definitely. I guess um, moving away from the psychology side of it, have you always been interested in motorsport as a whole? Or has there always been something else you've enjoyed? I mean, I know that you've also worked with rugby teams, golf players, darts players. But what sort of made you want to go into the motorsport side of it? Yeah, I, th I think, um, coming back to actually what I said earlier uh, about evil can evil, uh, joking aside, <laughs> um, I, I, I love bikes. Uh, my parents used to take me to the Speedway when I was a kid and stuff like that. And I, I was just talking to a driver earlier today about the smell of two-stroke Castrol R. Yep. <laughs> that smell, there, there is nothing like it. Um, and, and, and I suppose, it, you know, that all goes back to childhood memories. And uh, motorsport, I always enjoyed it. Uh, and my parents used to take me to see the rallies as well when I was a kid. So I, I guess my parents actually had a, a, lot, a large part to do with it, to unconsciously uh, influence my interest in motorsport. So obviously you've had this interest in motorsport and you're now a motorsport mind coach. What kind of people have you worked with? What kind of series have you worked in? Flex uh, a little bit. Uh, <laughs> name one. <laughs> Um, everything, absolutely everything, um, and at all levels. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I had somebody come to me recently and said, oh, I don't know if you'd be interested in working with me because I'm only racing at this level. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, all drivers, all riders, doesn't matter what levels that they're, that they're racing in. They will end up having similar sorts of experiences. The same things will come up mm -hmm. for them. You know, same challenges, same frustrations, um, same problems if you want to call them problems will come up so it's something that um you know i've done with formula one um, extreme e recently uh we've got single seaters we've got f4 f3 we've got gt we've got karting uh yeah. we've got world superbikes british superbikes um indy car anything really with an engine um <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm intrigued so obviously you you speak well you you look after people from lots of different categories. Some people at the peak of their performance and some people who are just making their way up. Yeah. What, what's the difference between these people? Are there more people who are willing to kind of open up and share and take on board what you're saying? Is there a difference between categories or are they all kind of willing? Because obviously they're all wanting to come to you for this kind of help and assistance. Good question. <laughs> Good question. What's the difference? Um, it, I think it's a strange one because I think it depends what the person's looking for at the time. Mm -hmm. um, I always used to have this strange thing when people used to ask me, well, who do you work with? I'm not telling you uh, yeah. because I'm either helping somebody who's having a problem or I'm somebody's what secret weapon, if you want to like call it. Yeah. And they don't want to share that with anybody either. So it's, it's kind of a difficult thing to pitch, if you like. Yeah. Um, but what's the difference between top people and bottom I don't think there is a difference because the challenges change. Um, I've just done a, a video recently for riders and drivers about it, it's not how we respond when things are going well. It's how we respond when we're challenged. Mm -hmm. and, and, we, and we don't learn as much when things are going well. We just kind of enjoy it. Right? Everything's mm -hmm. great. But we're not learning as much as we could. 
And I think when people are challenged, that's when you get an idea of, of how much resilience they have, um, how, how they manage their emotions, where their focus is, um, how much they can keep their concentration. And whether you're at the top, top, top level, and whether you're, you know, you, you're eight years old racing in Bambino karting or something, you know, um, you're going to have the same experience yeah. when things don't go well. You're going to experience the frustration, the disappointment, uh, the confusion, the unhappiness, the self-doubt. You're going to experience all these things, whether you're up here or down here, because at yeah. the end of the day, we're still salty bags of meat. We're all human beings, <laughs> you know? It all comes back together, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. And we'll all experience the same thing. And a lot of the things that I work um, on with, people are kind of transferable skills as well. Because if, if, if you learn to manage yourself better, you won't just be managing yourself better in the paddock, on the track, and press conferences, these things. You'll manage yourself better at home and in relationships and yourself. And, you know, it, it, it's all transferable skills. Yeah, I feel like that's a great thing about the fact you're working with young people as well. You say you're talking about like eight year old carters, for example, teaching them these skills are really going to be helpful in the future when they get to school, high school, just when they get to work. The transferable skills part of it is so important, especially in today's age. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, I, I've got a couple of uh, drivers and riders this year, uh, sort of between sort of like 16, 17, doing exams. I'm mean, kind yeah. of the, the, the crossover when we're talking about if you think what's affecting your driving? Oh, well, I've got, I've got mocks coming up. Mm. Okay, so the mocks are affecting your driving. Okay, so let's, let's handle the mocks because if we take care of the stress of that, they're not going to affect your driving. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's all transferable. Um, it's all life skills as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, moving on from that, what would you say would be the most rewarding part of your job? If, you, if there is any this is where you tell us that it sucks it's all rubbish yeah. and you hate every second <laughs> it's an awful job is there a rewarding it's, part it's too? terrible i cry myself to sleep every night <laughs> um no uh it's the most rewarding part of my job um this is going to sound strange um but the most rewarding part of my job i think is when when you work with somebody who has had an issue, mm -hmm. a problem. So um, let's say somebody's had an off and mm -hmm. now maybe they're getting flashbacks or they're, they, they, you know, they don't like a wet track anymore and they just, you know. When you work with somebody like that and you get them to the point, and it sounds strange, you get them to the point of ambivalence, right? So you take them from feeling really negative about something and you get them to them going, eh, that's such a win. <laughs> that's such a win yeah to somebody from where they've like oh no i don't like this track or oh, I, I keep thinking about this and you know i'm losing a couple of tenths a lap because i keep thinking what if this happens all that and you get them to the point where they're just going yeah okay not a big deal anymore you've completely <laughs> that, got over it yeah that, that's huge you know it, yeah. and it, it's not people punching the air and going yeah i feel great it's people going yeah it's fine it is the simple things though isn't it these small victories are so important i know as someone who struggles with severe social anxiety it's those small feet simply like i got on the bus yesterday and that sounds like the most simple task but that was so rewarding even though it's such a small feat so 
I completely understand why you view that as something which is really rewarding as your, in, in your job. Yeah, it, it, it's, it, it is a strange thing. It sounds strange to describe it. But when I, when I see people do a kind of shrug of my shoulders about something, I think, <laughs> yeah. job um, done. Yeah. So I guess going on to the next one, how important would you say mind coaches are as a whole just to improve performance? Um, I think it's the, the missing element. I think it's the one mm-hmm. thing that isn't paid a lot of time to it. I used to get quite frustrated by it when I'd be talking to drivers or riders and I'd ask them, you know, so what are you going to be doing differently as you go into next season from this season? What's, what's going to be the big thing that makes the big difference for you next year? And I'd usually go, well, I'm going to go to the gym more. <laughs> <sighs> right okay <laughs> what else yeah. you know um realizing that we're a top-down system you know um that that everything that we do comes from up here um that you know if i'm distracted by something uh, maybe an argument with a, a partner uh, something at home uh, a pet that's not well um a sponsor that's given me grief yeah, all of these things knock on in, in into my performance uh, as a racing driver uh, or a rider, and the mental aspect of it is something that it, I, I quite often talk about. If you look at the most successful riders and drivers from a emotional or a personality point of view, you see that they're kind of pretty level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're not the people that maybe give the most or the the greatest displays of emotion or anything on the outside. They're they're pretty, you know, level and even. And if we're experiencing highs and lows and we have this sort of big sine wave, if you like, the, the, the emotional energy that that takes out of us is huge. Yeah. When we're peaking and troughing and peaking and troughing and peaking and troughing, it's exhausting. And just learning to keep ourselves a bit more that way. Yeah. Um, it, it's huge. It's such a benefit. It means that I'm more pragmatic about things. I'm always learning um, and keeping a focus on my own development, my own worth as, as, as a, a racing driver or rider really helps me prevent com- comparing myself to other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if we don't do that, if we don't pay attention to the mental side of it, I'm liable to always be comparing myself to others, comparing myself to his time, this time, emotional highs, emotional lows. If I'm not managing it and I'm not aware of it, I, I'm leaving things up to chance. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, I talk about, you know, sort of motivation versus action all the time with drivers and riders. And it's like, no, 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 no. You take action because motivation, we're kind of waiting for the planets to align. You know, yeah. am I going to feel motivated this weekend? I don't know. Are you? <laughs> Let, let's see what happens Saturday morning. Um, you, you, you can't leave it up to chance. Yeah. So you have to be aware. What am I feeling? What am I experiencing? What's happening in my head? Uh, and, and how do I mitigate that? What tools have I got in place? What strategies have I got in place to make sure that when I arrive at a track on a Thursday night or Friday morning, I'm, I'm good to go. Yeah. I've got my yeah. ducks in a row. Um, but I don't think it's given, and of course I would say that, I don't think it's given as, as much attention as it should do. Um, and 
it is just not about the, the performance on the track. It's the stuff that happens off, you know. In motorsport, you look at anybody's weekend, you know, 96 hours I'm at a racetrack over a race weekend. Yep. So uh, how many hours are you actually in the car? Oh, that would be four. So what are you doing those other 92 hours? <laughs> uh, and a lot of the time it'll be, I'll be sitting here thinking about all the things that could have gone wrong and all the things that have gone wrong and what this person said and what that person said. And if you don't learn to manage that, it can affect you. So, so what you're talking about now is what we referred to the other day when we sat down is as the sound, right? And so you were telling me how it's the sound which is always going up and down and your performance is kind of, it's not really going down, it's, it's, it's going up. So can you talk to us a little bit about that, about how performance isn't really the thing which is necessarily dropping down, it's the sound getting louder? Sure. So, so I, I, I realised this maybe a, a year or two ago, um, this way of describing it. Mm -hmm. You know, when somebody goes out, you've got a perfectly capable, talented driver goes out, <laughs> The performance doesn't go from, I'm a great driver, I suck. I'm a great driver, I'm That just doesn't happen, right? Yeah. Um, their fundamental skills, because as we said, you know, they spend so much time testing, so much sim time, the proprioception, their abilities, their driving skills are there. They're there. Yeah. Uh, most of the time, literally, they could do it with their eyes shut, you know? Mm -hmm. What actually changes is the sound, the noise, and that might be internal noise. So, you know, dialogue that I'm having with myself. It might be external noise. It could be distractions in my environment. It could be people in my environment. It could be anything out there. So what actually affects my performance is this stuff that's happening. Mm -hmm. If, if, if I, I had a driver ask me a year before last whether what I do is an additive or a subtractive process. That got me thinking, oh, I don't know. Let me think about it. Um, and I think there's an element of both, you know, because mm -hmm. if we think about how I described, you know, whether you're stopping people, helping to stop people doing things that they're doing or helping them to do things that they already do, but better. Um, that's what we might call generational change. So, so it's generative change. Sorry. Um, we're helping them to improve something. But on the other hand, it's helping them to recognize noise. So what is noise? Is it my noise? Is it, is it me? Is it things in my head? Is, my, is it that inner critic, if you like? Mm -hmm. um, or is it stuff on the outside? And when I recognize it, how do I turn it down? Uh, you know, and recognizing is the big thing. Okay. If I don't recognize it, I can't do anything about it. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know, so self-awareness is a big thing. Mm -hmm. I, I would say that and... I don't know if I'm just making a, a big assumption here, but I would say uh, would a lot of race drivers or motorbike riders or whatever sort of go, they can't admit to themselves that it could be themselves that is a problem, you know, within themselves, there could be the issue there. That might be true, but I don't yeah. work for them because they don't come to me because they haven't realised that they've got... Yeah, they don't <laughs> want to admit that, oh, actually, I might need some help here. Yeah. There is an issue. I don't know what it is. And I'm, I'm just not going to get help. And then you see the performance decline. Yeah. If, yeah. if, you, if you don't, it's, it's, it's kind of the, the similar, I suppose, to the Dunning-Kruger effect. Um, you know, it's if I don't recognize the problem and I just think, you know, it's back to the, I'm just going to go to the gym. More. Go to the gym, yeah. Do you not think there might be other elements that yeah. might enhance your performance as well? Yeah. Um, if I don't recognize the problem. And it's this moving in, in motorsport. 
um, like in a lot of things, it's moving from a retrospective awareness. So I recognize my behavior or my things after they've happened and think, oh, yeah, I can see that that was that is affecting me or, you know, um, into a sort of in the moment awareness so that I recognize when I'm doing something into a prior awareness. So I know that I might be about to do something. So I do something else instead. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's getting, it's helping people to get to that level where they do something else instead. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, um, I think you mentioned earlier that um, mental skills is one of the big chunks in a, in let's say a driver's portfolio approaching the weekend. And I saw a graph on your website. It was a three part graph with a mental skills, physical skills and, I don't think I can remember the other. Um, <laughs> Physical, um, technical, mental. That's the one. Sorry, that's my bad. Um, but <laughs> I guess, um, what are some of the mental skills that you need to be in motorsport? Okay. Um, so you've got the things like focus and concentration. Okay. But I think this comes back to that as well. Uh, if I, I was talking to a driver this morning, this who's asking, uh, how does he increase his concentration, or how not increase? How do he's how do he's maintain his concentration? Is the question, and it's like, well, isn't that the same as how do I reduce the noise? Yeah. Mm. Um, so the mental skills. What are the mental skills? Number one is approaching your weekend ready for action. Like we said. So you've got to turn up. So actually your preparation to go racing starts your week before. And you've got to look at things like um, your outside influences, um, your other responsibilities. Um, You know, as I said, family, pets, uh, businesses. If you're a gentleman driver, here's an example. If you're a gentleman driver and you're a successful person and you run big companies and this, that, and that, you've got to make sure your ducks are in a row before you go to a racetrack. Yeah. Um, because at the end of the day, racing costs a lot of money mm-hmm. and your return on your investment from time, um, emotion, energy, money, um, the, the, the return on your investment has to be such that you don't want to turn up at a racetrack and only half be there. Mm-hmm. That's not smart. You're not getting a good return on your investment. You're not getting the maximum out of your weekend. So, you know, things like um, delegating, uh, making sure you're prepared, strategy, you know, you shouldn't be running. <laughs> no number of people that you work with, you find out that they're running around on a Wednesday night, I can't find my phone cable, can't find my phone. That should all be taken care of, you know. Yeah. You shouldn't be introducing any kind of stress um, as we approach a race weekend. Um, so mental skills, we've got the preparation, you've got strategies, you've got the awareness, which is a big mm-hmm. And then you get, you know, practical skills drawn from different sort of disciplines. Um, you've got visualization, um, which is such a skill. Um, I was working with somebody yesterday and just impromptu, we did a visualization. Never done it with him before. I think he's the best person I've ever seen. <laughs> uh, visualizing. It was, it, was, it was a lovely thing to watch and I wish I'd recorded it. Um, yeah. He was—he he didn't even know he was doing it, and he—he was—he was, he was a rider, and as he was tipping in, I could see his left hand pulling on his clutch. I could see his right hand on his brake. I could see his head dipping down when he was braking. Like it was beautiful to see. And yeah. so, visualizing well is such a good skill because it's essentially free seat time. You know exactly. Uh, yeah. 
So, so that's, that's one of the mental skills. Uh, building your resilience. So being able to cope with adversity. And again, I'm a big one on self-focus. If we constantly, I, I've got a saying that people I work with get sick of, which is to go faster than the guy in front, you've got to go faster than yourself. Yeah. So don't, mm-hmm. even, don't even bother what his time is. Just look at your time. Can you go faster than that? Because that's the first hurdle. You've got to go faster than you. Mm-hmm. And, and external distractions, other people's times, other people's paddocks, other people's setups, other people's Instagrams. Um, the, these are all distractions. Um, yeah. and, and take me away from where my focus should be, which is on me, my performance, and what I get out of my racing. Yeah. For those who may not know necessarily what we're talking about when we're talking about noise just for a little example especially to f1 fans um i always talk about this example sebastian vettel dropped from ferrari so sad heartbreaking moment we saw his performance go downhill whereas sergio perez who was dropped from racing point his performance went up he won his first ever race which is absolutely incredible when he'd had this huge mental impact you know being dropped is going to hurt your feelings is <laughs> going to hurt the soul <laughs> so this is kind of the thing we're talking about he managed to control that noise that sound and his performance improved whereas uh, sebastian vettel he clearly wasn't able to manage that sound and noise as well as checo could so this is kind of what we're talking about as in you know you need to bring the sound down in order to get the performance to either stay where it is or bring it up rather than it going the other way well it's it, it it's that and it's the c word right mm-hmm. i have a real problem with the c word and that's yeah. confidence right <laughs> right because what is that it yeah. gets bandied about all the time we hear people talk about oh he just needs to be more confident oh he just needs more confidence in the car he just what does that mean what does that mean because what's what makes me confident in a given situation is obviously context and experience dependent and that's different for you yeah and it's different for you and it's different for you what makes us confident so i i think confidence is actually more a collection of beliefs mm-hmm. what do i believe do i believe i have the machinery do i believe i have the skills do i be, do, do i believe that you know in a certain outcome is likely to happen and when i put all these beliefs together that's what makes confidence so if I suddenly get dropped from a team, oh, what do I believe now? Yeah. Do I believe I have the skills? Do I still have the skills? And I go in and then the noise starts ticking up. I start to get that inner dialogue that's, that's coming in, questioning, questioning, questioning. Then I hear other people, the external noise, oh, pointing fingers, making comments, criticizing, and the noise comes up, performance goes down. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very very interesting so I'm going to put you in a scenario imagine I am a driver I am a big time Formula 1 championship winning driver all of a sudden I, I'm in the best car on the grid still but my performance is dropping down I've come to you because I want help how do you start the conversation with me okay what's changed okay what's changed is my life is a mess <laughs> my life is a mess that's what's changed how how are you going to deal with my my messy life there we go we sort out your messy life your performance will come back it's just noise right? just, i love it, 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 it love it. that it starts 
not simple as such but it's it's you can apply this to anything yeah. exactly exactly yeah. transferable yeah. skills exactly <laughs> you know it's if it's i'm trying to remember so, somebody came to me with something recently and and it was no no no, no. When, let's not look at that that's a symptom mm-hmm. let's look at the problem yeah there's this thing that you've said oh i I can't remember the scenario now um i can't sorry i can't remember the scenario but it's very very, really specific um and it was like that's not the issue right something happened before that that's just the result so what happened before what changed because something must have happened something must have changed to increase the amount of noise and distraction that you know, because you, you can do it. You've been to this track before. You know how to drive. You know how to do all these things. So what's changed? Something else has happened, internally or externally. Let's look at that. Yeah. yeah. I'm wondering, do you... So obviously you help, you assist drivers in becoming more... I don't, I'm putting it in a weird way, but I was going to say mentally capable, but they're already mentally capable. It's just learning the skills. But say say Lewis and Max you know that tight championship they're playing mind games do you help with that could you help with that help them deal with the mind games is that kind of part of something you could do I I thought you were going to say do you help people you know (laughs) play mind games do you teach (laughs) mind games too and do you tell them to do that because I would if I was you there are things that you can do yeah assist um (laughs) as byproducts um (laughs) that can affect your competitors. Um, but it's really, look, it's really simple. If, if I was a driver walking down the paddock, right? And let's just say I'm in a lower series, whatever it is, and I'm walking down the paddock and I'm smiling and I'm happy and I'm confident and I'm chatting mm-hmm. to people and oh, quick selfie, you know, <laughs> and all this as I walk down the paddock. So I'm obviously feeling good. Mm-hmm. What do all my competitors now think? Mm-hmm. All my competitors are going, uh, what's he looking so calm and relaxed about? Yeah. This is going to be. Okay. So it's just there are things that can naturally affect our competitors, you know, and and social media, you know, it's one of these things, you know, the photographs, you know, you get the watch and the haircut. Yeah. You know, that can affect people (laughs) as well. Um, But it's, with mind games, again, I would say, because this, this is my thing, um, you're looking in the wrong place. Yeah. You've got to look at you. Um, the, 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 it happens quite a lot with um, young carters and stuff like that, because, you know, obviously naturally, we, we compare ourselves naturally. But there's so much we don't know, and there's mm-hmm. so much that we can't influence. Um, you know, so if you're a young carter out on a track, uh, and you're going out, you think, oh, he's so much faster than me. Yeah, but... Did he go to the bathroom before he got in the car? How full is his bladder? Mm-hmm. How much air is he? How much air has he got in his tires? You know, how much fuel has he got in the thing? How much does he weigh? <laughs> you know, how much does his helmet? Weigh? We don't know any of these things, so we're comparing apples and oranges. Mm-hmm. And you can't do anything about his bladder or his tires or his helmet or his weight. What can you do something about? You. Yeah, definitely. So when it comes back to you know mind games, yeah, you're not getting involved. Mm-hmm. focus on you that's noise that's noise that's out there it's not important so what would if 
if I was Max Verstappen right now, you know, obviously I've just had that big incident in Silverstone and I'm coming back. I, I, I maybe want revenge. I'm not sure. What would your advice be to me? If you were Max's mind coach right now, what would you say to him? No, there's a good question. I'm coming out with the bangers today. I don't know where they're yeah, coming you from. Are. You're, you're good. Are. Um, well, I would say if things had been done right, um, you shouldn't really have been exposed to a lot of the noise to start with. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you you should be marginally aware, right? It shouldn't be your thing. It shouldn't be your thing to worry about. All that you should be looking at is, okay, have I been to this track before? How did I go last time? What information have we got? What data have we got? Uh, what did I do here last time? Let me look at my sectors. Okay, what's my PB? Okay, yeah, okay. I know what I've got to do. Yeah. Pragmatism, not noise, not involved. Don't get involved. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. I like that. Stick with the stuff that you can control. Yeah. Um, and 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 again, this is something that comes up. Obviously, racing drivers care about where they finish. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, enough. it's a thing. It's a thing. You know, <laughs> but but it's not something that ultimately we're completely in control of. You know, mm-hmm. I I could qualify P one. I could go out fastest lap. I could lead every lap of the race and in the last corner on the last lap every race be taken out by the guy in second position exactly. and never finish a race all season mm-hmm. so the outcome isn't ultimately up to me all i can ever do is focus on my own performance my own results and make sure every time i go out every session every lap i'm going a bit faster than i did before mm-hmm. and if i look after my processes and my performance the results take care of themselves brilliant focus on yourself people <laughs> this is this is what it seems to come down to you are the most important person in the scenario yeah. it all starts with you right? yeah. um I, I i have quite a strong belief that it doesn't matter and, and this is motorsport or otherwise you know um and i'll say this to drivers quite a lot it it starts with you it's you that is the racing driver it's yeah. you that is the, the the partner, the husband, it's you, that's the father, it's you, that's the media person, it's you. So it all starts with you. Mm-hmm. These are just all hats that we wear. So you have to look after you first and focus yeah. on you first. Mm-hmm. Because if you're the best you, you take that best you to all these roles that you do. Yeah. So look after you first, be the best you, and you'll be the best racing driver you can be. You'll be the best husband and partner. You'll be the best. You'll be the best father. You'll be the best this. You'll be the best that because you're being the best you. So interesting. Well, um, obviously, I know you've touched a little bit of, up upon other sports, and um, unlike other sports, most sports very constant. It's very head on. You've got to have probably the most awareness out of any sports in the world. How would you say Formula One? The psychology of Formula One is different to a sport game made up of just small moments like cricket or golf. How would you say it's different approaching that? There are differences, I think. Um, If you were to look at maybe a team game, now you can say, you know, Formula One's a team sport. Mm -hmm. But at the sharp end of the wedge, it comes down to one person. Yeah. If you looked at maybe like a team sport, like maybe football, rugby or something like that, let's say I'm having a day where I've got a lot of noise. I've got another group of people out there that can maybe take up some of my slack. You yeah, know, yeah. The, 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 the impact of me not performing might be 
negated a little by other people, you know. Uh, they can being, carry you, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think if you were to say, you know, you cricket or anything like this, and, I, and I've worked with darts players and stuff as well, it's always the same. It's noise. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> it's noise. If you're a dart player, you're spending four hours a day, five hours a day throwing arrows at a board. <laughs> you know how to throw arrows at a board. Mm-hmm. It's not a problem. You know how to do it. It's interesting. I remember watching um, one of the lakeside matches um, two, three years ago, I think it was. And it, it was like a dance. As one player's performance went up, so did the other. As one player's yeah. performance came down, so did the other. And, 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 and they did this sort of dance all the way through. And I, I was trying to think about what's going on here? What's going on here? So it gets to a crucial point in the game and I go up to throw my dart. Now, what happens at that moment? It's a crucial point in the game. If I suddenly start generating a lot of internal noise, oh, you've got to get this. If you don't get this, then it goes to another game. Oh, I can't. No, no, I've got to get this. I've got to get this because if I get this and then I win this, then I'm into the next round, I'm into the next round, and I get all this internal noise. That causes me to start to get stressed and I stiffen up and, and, and I'm, not, I'm not as focused. Woomph, I've made a mistake. Oh, no, I, I haven't hit it. <laughs> Catastrophe. Yeah. My opponent now is going, he's missed it. He's missed it. I've got to get this now. I've got to maximize this opportunity. If I don't get this, then. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. And, and it's all just self-generated noise. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, um, so I think in any sport, it, it's going to be the same. It's really interesting what you say about um, like team sports, how, you know, the other team can kind of carry you if you're having a day where you've got a lot of noise because you've made me feel like the most intelligent person in the world because we did a mental health podcast episode in mental health week and I said exactly that <laughs> and you just said it too. <laughs> I'm a genius. <laughs> I'm taking this credit, guys. <laughs> so finally, I just wanted, we touched on it briefly when you've been talking. Social media and drivers and riders. I know this is something you feel quite passionate about, shall we say. <laughs> what, what's your thoughts on this? <laughs> Talk to us about that. Social media, right? <laughs> Other people's lies. Yes. Um, yeah. I, 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 it's such a distraction. It has its place. You know, and obviously when you get to a certain level, you're a brand. Mm-hmm. You're a brand. Um, you know, you generate revenue. Um, you're part of a brand. Um, I should all be taken care of, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You shouldn't have anything to do with that. And and even at lower levels in sport, I think if you're spending any kind of serious money on motorsport, and let's face it, motorsport's an expensive thing to do at any level, really, yeah. from karting upwards. Um, have somebody else do it for you, even if it's a friend. You know, you can you can do up your posts across your weekend. You can sign off on them, get them to comment and, and post on your behalf, but you shouldn't be going anywhere near it. Yeah. yeah. Um, it takes, it just takes one thing to make me feel less than. Social media is such like a problem area for so many people, really. Yeah. And when you think about these guys competing at high levels, them seeing those comments could just be the thing which tips them over the edge for that weekend and just turns that noise right up. And it I could know, just I... be one comment. Exactly, exactly. Mm. One comment which just doesn't sit right with you. Doesn't even have to be a comment. Oh, he's got a bigger mm. watch than me. Oh, yeah. yeah. Why, is, why is my watch not that big? 
Oh, oh he's just out. signed his contract. That's oh, mine. Oh, yeah. oh, oh, he yeah. looks happier in that picture than I feel. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is it's, it's true. anything can influence us. Absolutely anything can influence us. Um, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so I I think minimizing those distractions, and we spoke about it, you know, minimizing distractions is is key. Um, one of the big things that I make sure I, I try to emphasize with everybody I work with is that you should have a race phone. Yeah. Right? And, and the only people that have that number are your nearest and dearest. And there's no social media on it. And there's nothing on it. You, there's no email. There's nothing on it. Yeah. Because you just don't need it. On a, mm-hmm. on a race weekend, you're there to perform. You're there to be focused. You're there to do what you need to do. Don't, don't minimize your distractions where you can. Mm-hmm. Yeah? But social media, I think, has its place. It's a necessary thing in this world. Mm-hmm. But... Um, so, so talking of social media greg where can people find you if they want to do a little bit more research if they want to find you well funnily enough um no it's, as i said it's a necessary thing we all know it's nice yep. um mm-hmm. and, and 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 with awareness it's one of those things that you know if you're aware of what affects you then it's not a problem you see yeah because you can manage it if you don't if you're not self-aware enough to realize that things affect you and that you know that you are affected by other things because then you can put things in place um you just have to be ultra cautious uh so for me obviously um you can visit gregmccall.co.uk i've got a website motorsportmind.com um i am on instagram uh, yeah, as mo- oh, yeah, I am. Oh, yeah. Yeah. How could you do such a thing? Um, <gasps> as um, motorsport mind. Um, but yeah, anybody's got any questions about anything, I'm always happy to chat. Um, give some pointers, direction, uh, answer any questions. But yes, you will find me out there, but I manage it. <laughs> keep the noise oh, well, down. Keep the noise down. Keep that noise at a low level. <laughs> Well, Greg, thank you so much for joining us. You've been absolutely amazing. And it's been really interesting and insightful sitting down and talking with you. Thank you so much for You're joining. Very welcome. Thank you for inviting me to come on and talk. <laughs> thank you. Thank fun. you. So if you want to find us on anything, it's at Sector One Podcast on all social medias. Make sure you go and follow us and we'll be back with another episode next Tuesday. Goodbye. Mm-hmm.